This is Shaco Art Speak. Welcome to Shaco Art Speak. I'm Ryan Letario, and I'm here with the fantastic co-host, Dr. Gareth Blackwell. Hey, Ryan. Sometimes I call him Dr. Snacksmell. <laughs> it's it's my favorite nickname. It's his favorite nickname. <laughs> He's never heard it uh, until now. Um, so I've been calling him that in my mind. Um, but so now, <laughs> so now I'm calling me, that, man. now I'm calling him that out loud. Uh, and, uh, was that Dr. Snack smell? Dr. Snack smell. Um, I'm, I mean, I can, it, I've had worse. <laughs> so yeah. I'll, I'll I totally go with that. I think it's, I think it's workable. Um, and I think, uh, I think it's going to stick it's, truthfully. Yeah. I just hope it's a, like a, a good stick because I, I, I don't like what, what, but I don't know. My mind goes to what snack smell like which yeah which, which snacks which snack is it cheese it's yeah i mean like because you don't want to smell like trail like, mix or like funyuns yeah funyuns like, you got like old funyun smell no yeah. it has to be old funyun snack smell here's the thing corn do you remember corn nuts <laughs> i remember corn okay nuts. so for funyuns funyuns and corn nuts are the kind of food that only smell good when you're eating it but if you're standing nearby, it, it's the it's the opposite reality. I'm going to take that a step further. I think some, there are foods that only smell good the moment you open the bag. Yeah, maybe. because after a minute, it's just like yeah, what is it? It's, it's yeah, it's like a a note of edible that turns into like a note of gym sock, and yeah. you're like, wait, why am I smelling gym sock in this bag right now? Yeah, it's really hard to like uh, when a bag of chips smells like a gym bag. You're, you're having a bad day. <laughs> it's having a really bad day. Nobody, yeah, anyhow, that's that's for another episode. Yeah, We're gonna just do a that. little teaser for you folks. A te- that's, a free, that's a free bit. So I, I, I think we, um, we're getting ready to kick into another topic. Um, and a lot of our topics are built out of conversations we're having with colleagues, peers, other artists, designers in the city. Um, I mean, shoot, internal conversations yeah, sometimes inter- too, just yeah, experiences, just, right? Yeah, just our experiences alone. Um and, uh, and so we, we want to talk about a lot of the stuff that maybe doesn't get talked about as much as we can. Um, and so um, we appreciate when you all send your questions in. And um, so we would encourage you all to keep continue to do that. Um, but so today I, we have a title for our, our new talk. Y'all ready and for I, this? Yeah, I feel like it's almost like the, like the missing track to a James Brown song. It's, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I did not even thought about that. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. So it's called Hold It Together, Cooperation, Collaboration, and the fight against throwing people under the bus. Get down. Get down. <laughs> so let me say that again. <laughs> it's hold it together. So it's like title, hold it together, subtitle, cooperation, collaboration, and the fight against throwing people under the bus. That's a mouthful, it but is, it's important. But it, yeah, it's, it's very important. And, uh, you know, and I think some of this is, uh, you know, we have a lot of time that we spend around students because we're professors at an art school. And because of that... Um, you know, there's a lot of kind of individualized learning that's going on. And, um, so sometimes it's, it's a little more difficult, uh, I think to really talk about things like cooperation and collaboration in an expansive sense, because we're, you know, we're very much uh, focused on individual students, making sure that they're improving in different areas and growing as artists, designers, and makers. So, um, I think this is going to give us a great time to just kind of unpack maybe what this is, because I, 
I personally feel like the the topics uh, or the, the the terms like cooperation and collaboration, there's some of those words that I think we hear so long in our lives and they're part of like when we grew up hearing these things, we were told that we need to cooperate. And yeah. Collaboration is just an undertone in a lot of the arts. And I think sometimes we become hugely assumptive of what they actually mean or, or how they actually play out in the world. No, that's right. Assumptive and like just apathetic towards it. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like a assumptive, but even not even like a positive assumption. It's almost like an inverse. It's like a detrimental assumption um, that works against uh, even a, a neutral stance on on the uh, or a neutral effect or a neutral outcome, even like as if that's possible. Do you see yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? It's almost no, like really. in the negative. Yeah, because it's like uh, like any time. Just think back to any time you were in a classroom and the teacher was like, "Hey, folks, we've got a group project to do," and everybody goes, "Oh man." Yeah, and I'm then there's like the that. one person who's like, "Yes, yeah." yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, I think, you know, it's a lot like that where we have these connotations that we put on these words, even that maybe we're just like, I don't know if I'm that excited about it. Yeah. But it's difficult to, I'm really, guilty of that. Oh, I'm totally guilty of that. <clears throat> I mean, like the, the desire to like, uh, individualize things so much so that mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm the person, I'm the rock star, I'm the one right. doing it and everybody else is just worse than me. Like, it, I mean, that's a real push, Yeah. but, um, it's also a push that's not always very helpful. Yeah. 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 I think, um, it it can it just it can leave you uh, alienated and, and on an island, which is frustrating, because you know you don't you, you know there's that weird party that hungers after doing. I mean I you know I'm a fairly ambitious person I guess, and I have I take issue with the word ambition. Sometimes I feel like it's the wrong way of talking about just the desires that I have to make things. Um, but there's that frustrating paradox of trying to hold on to everything yourself which lands you by yourself, knowing that you need other people and knowing that you really don't want to do it alone, but you just don't know how to play nice in the, the playground. You don't know how to share. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, that's a big part of it is that I know for me, even when I'm trying to like do this all by myself, doing it on my own thing, there's still that part of me in the back of my brain that's still going like, Hey, you know, your skills actually end at a certain place. Yeah. You know, and yeah. like, and that's, and that's, I think one of the beautiful things about cooperation and collaboration. Um, and when we look at, I think uh, like, I don't know if we think like large scale kind of like popular culture, mm. artistic design projects, when we look at them and we see how amazing they are, we're like, that was an amazing film. Mm-hmm. That was an amazing album. That was an amazing, you know, whatever. We're like, it's not a one person show. Right. And so there's a lot, I think, in even in terms of the things that maybe have excited us at the beginning of our careers yep. or when we got interested that really point toward the fact that these are very normal pursuits and activities. Yeah. And so it's good to spend a little time just kind of unpacking them. Yeah. And also just, I think when we, you look at by extension, we, we talk in big terms about, uh, ecosystems and, and you're looking at different facets. So we did our, uh, some, we hit, we'll, and we'll probably come back around to some more on organizations and, uh, people and, um, events. Uh, but when you start looking at the different plot points we're hitting, you're, you're looking at, um, a lot of facets that interplay with each other in order to create an ecosystem. And so to collaborate and cooperate, to work together, to essentially hold it together. And then by extension, um, sometimes the accidental or unintended of the failure of the first produces the, uh, the throwing each other under the bus, the, a lot of the stuff that I think will be relevant or interesting to get to, it's, you know, we'll, so I think we'll probably do a few episodes on this and it'll necessarily get us through to, I think, some of the, the kinds of things that 
a lot of folks are probably, including us, are probably guilty of, a lot of people are guilty of, and are, they really are like detrimental consequences of the failure of the, the, the initial categories, uh, lands us in some uh, less desirable places with new complications and problems that move us further from achieving goals, uh, you know, um, developing projects, creating creative works, um, you know, studio exhibitions and so on. I mean, anybody who lives anywhere for a while sees and finds that that space shrinks. And before you know it, everyone knows each other. And so, oh, yeah. small you know, worlds, man. yeah, the world is just small period. And in a, you know, in a remarkable way, it's an intimate place in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I don't know about death Valley, but mo- <laughs> it's, it's like way too intimate, <laughs> but, um, but so, I mean, you, you really are, the more you dwell richly in a place, the more you're known and, and you're knowing folks and, and the more that these things are happening, the greater the unintended consequences are, the likelihood is of, of outcomes that are unsightly and not desirable and put you into uh, detrimental uh, points of view with someone, you know? And so, you know, I think, I think uh, that's going to be key to talk about. Um, but why, why cooperation, Gareth? Why do we... Well, I think, so, I, you know, kind of going back to it, I think when we, uh, I mean, think back to when any of us were kids. At some point, you had a you had a teacher, you had a parent, you had a relative, you had some friend's parent or somebody that was talking about, you know, cooperate, cooperate. I mean, shoot, you turn on Sesame Street, and they're teaching you how to cooperate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, if, if, if I want to take it, like, get it real granular, get it back to kind of foundational stuff, it's that uh, you probably... I don't know. There may be one or two of you in the world listening that could say otherwise, but um, you're always going to be relational with people. Right. I mean, just spatially, you're going to be relational to them. Um, We can't get away from them. um, And we probably shouldn't want to. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're going to be, we work with people. We live with people. We um, uh, take transit systems with people. We, We do all of this stuff with people. And so at some point, those paths are going to cross. And if you're around that many people that often, I think cooperation is a necessity in life in a lot of ways. Um, but also, um, and I don't want to get too far forward into the next, the next term, but, um, I think with cooperation, I think there's actually, um, an acknowledgement of other people's strengths, Mm -hmm. which actually leads to a very nice humanizing thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Co cooperate. Yeah. Yeah. So co, operation like you know it, it does require kind of what we say about knowing knowing being known that that um yeah you can't work blindly with no somebody. i think when people i think when you know i'm listening to you man and i'm just i'm thinking like well when we think about us being relational i think we have um intuitive categories that we kind of dump a kind a type into when mm-hmm. we hear so if we think like relational we're either saying well i am or i am not relational and we type what right. we think that is and how we are or are not that. And I think your point about, I, I mean, I, I guess I would want to stress, man, I think that well, everybody's relational, but it's the quality of that relationalness, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. uh, that is what we're really contending with. Because we're, we're in relationship to each other to greater or lesser degrees, um, and in those degrees with greater or lesser quality. In other words, I'm either someone you want to hang out with or someone you don't. But either one of those is is in in relationship in some level, totally. and so you have bare bones uh, cooperation. You know, you work together. We got to get this done, 
and I give the bare minimum. Or I'm even worse than that. I bring dark clouds to every occasion. And so I'm creating more work for my colleagues and peers by virtue of my sour personality or, or my, my um, difficulties. And, you know, I've been there. I've, I've been a very oh, yeah. grouchy totally. person at times. Mm-hmm. So I've been hard to be around. Anybody that knows, knows me probably can testify to that historically. Um, and I don't say that with pride, but I just say it as an acknowledgement that like uh, um, something in there is, is in the cooperation um, it's not a neutral stance. There's a, a, a uh, dynamic uh, possibility for um, relationships that go poorly. Uh, so then, they're, then the co- cooperation is compromised or not existent. Or there's, there's the, um, you know, the quality, qualitative positive that has increased potential to it that is uh, galvanizing, where you're like, I'm excited to be with this person because they make me want to work with them or... I'm, oh, yeah. I'm desirous of, of, uh, of, I'm willing to cooperate. I'm willing to uh, work together in tandem to, to see something accomplished. You know? Yeah, and I think, I mean, I, you know, I'm kind of have this picture in my head of, as you're going through that, it, the, the quality aspect makes total sense because think of like, um, you know, if, if when you were a kid, your parents were like, hey, you and your, your sibling need to go out and rake the yard. Like, I could be totally pissed off at that sibling. I could maybe feel like I even hate them but I could still be cooperative with them, you mm-hmm. know, like there wouldn't, there wouldn't have to be now, like you said that like the quality of that relationship is going to mm-hmm. be very different or the quality of the outcome of the work and a number of other things will be impacted by that. Mm-hmm. But I don't have to have any real care because we're, we're in tandem doing the same thing that yeah. we don't necessarily have to have got placed upon ourselves. Right. We can just, right. we can be delivered a task by somebody else yep. and say, okay, we can go cooperate toward this. Sure. And I, and I don't have to bring like an intense skill to cooperation. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. just have to bring the ability to be a part of it. Yeah. You're just working towards a goal together. Right. And so, you know, then there's the other, the other factors like what are the goals? Uh, what are, you know, what are the desires? How, how strong are the desires we have? Of course, we're talking in general terms, but if you get into studio practice and you get into collaborative, you know, work together as artists or designers and, you know, we may have to, specify and get into the weeds in, in different examples, I think, yeah. um, which our, our life differences can, I think maybe come into play on that. Mm-hmm. What, you know, like, you know, if you're listening and you're a studio artist, like you're thinking like, what is this, how does this relate to me? And I think like us running a gallery, I mean, there's a lot of ways that we can talk about that. Um, uh, so we will definitely, we can definitely push into some examples, but to cooperate really is at a bare minimum to, to work together towards a goal. And so if you're thinking of it in those terms, um, you can do that poorly and the goal can be a poor goal. You know, so you can do it poorly and it can be a poor goal and that can, that can kind of cloud, um, I think a person's perception on what it means to work together mm. and it can drive artists oftentimes, uh, to work alone because they've only been in occasions where the, the ecosystem itself is not uh, optimized or flourishing to, to an extent where you're drawn out of yourself and excited to be working with people. So it's not really that you want to work alone. It's that you haven't seen working together done well. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. so if you haven't seen, it's hard to pick it. It's hard, hard to angle towards it. Well, I may even go a little further and, and just kind of um, uh, say, if we think about uh, like all the artists and designers within a certain space, like there is always in terms of something like culture building or, you know, uh, community uh, quality and things like that, there's 
always a cooperation that's going on in maker communities. Yeah. So, um, you know, there is like, you know, the quality of, of my work as an individual, uh, owner of a design studio and the quality of your work as an individual contemporary painter, like there is a cooperative aspect towards even building a larger idea Mm -hmm. of the culture of a place or the art scene or however you want to kind of put it together. Mm -hmm. Um, so that cooperation, I think even how you're talking about is there on a, on a macroscopic level. That's right. Um, and so there is even a need to talk about in the microscopic way, the way we are, how this works on an individual level right. with other artists. That's right. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think one of the sort of the, I think the premise that it's helpful to think about is, um, cooperation and collaboration together and hold, you know, holding that together when it's, it's those together, not excluded from each other. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Because I mean, cause, so just going into collaboration for a second, if there's yeah. no purpose to the collaboration, it can get it can get weird real fast. And I'm not opposed to weirdness, but um, there has to be some working together towards a goal. Yeah, definitely. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that may seem obvious, but a lot there is a lot of work that's that's done where it's highly experimental, and um, that's the end goal. Um, and um, when you look at I mean, there's definitely great examples of collaborative artists uh, that have persisted throughout the years. Um, but um, I think without goals, a lot of that stuff becomes experimental and short-lived. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't, um, we go back to that word generate, it doesn't generate um, or necessitate a forward momentum. And so it becomes a time together that then kicks people back into their, their silos, if you will, or their studios, uh, which I, you know, listen, I, I am hilariously, uh, I love, uh, being in a studio quiet, quietly mm-hmm. painting. So I, I don't think I'm ever going to, uh, completely not be doing that. Um, so for me, the collaboration comes through, um, like what we do and you know, what you, what, what, what's been going on for a decade in the art space and like, you know, so many other teams that I'm a part of and that kind of thing. But I'll be honest, like it's taken me a long time. You know, one of the things that I think we could talk about later is trust issues. Yeah, that's a big part of it. So having had trust issues, which stems back from like, just like my upbringing, just not, not being able to trust people very well. Yeah. So you default to trusting yourself, even though you know you can't. That's the frustrating part. You're like, I'm going to err on trusting me, even though I can't do this. But mm. because I don't trust that person, I can't turn the keys over. And uh, that's been one of the most uh, significant challenges for me. Well, I definitely want to hit that trust thing, but I want to go back to what you're talking about with uh, generative. Yeah. Because this is something I talk with uh, designers about a lot um, because we usually, we'll get to these spots where, you know, we hit, you know, the artist version of writer's block or whatever. And we're just stuck, we're staring and we don't know what's happening. Can't get the page together or the canvas to work or whatever it is. Um, And that's a natural part of any sort of creative process. but if that's a place you continually find yourself, um, then I think that that's kind of symptomatic of, of something that you should be asking yourself questions about. Mm-hmm. Because um, one thing I always tell uh, students in a particular class that I teach is that, that creativity creativity is always generative. Mm-hmm. And if you are doing something and pursuing something where you're constantly hitting a dead end, mm-hmm. it's at least time to take inventory and yeah. say, am, am I Am I doing this in a creative pursuit? Am I being preempted to do something? Am I am I just taking cues from something else? And I'm, it's not really an embodiment that I'm actually putting into my, you know, there's a lot of ways that we can look at that. Um, but I think 
that generative aspect, I think, is the one thing that would be the definite tell that would define collaboration for me more mm-hmm. than cooperation. Right. Because I don't necessarily see cooperation as needing to be generative. Right. You know, it, it yeah. may be may need to be productive. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be generative. Yeah. If that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it can produce the thing that you need. But the idea that it does that and um, generates, you know, there's a kind of way that uh, when something's generative, I think more begets more stuff starts to flow from from it, ideas, um, new visual conceptions, like you can see the next steps. So when something is generative, it accomplishes some task, but then it also then uh, it, uh, enables one to envision the next task or the next outcome, the next project. It start, uh, if anything, it's actually uh, quite often, it's, it's multitudes of pro- possibilities yeah. that just start to kind of bubble forward that are resonant and um, attainable. Um, whether it's through one person's efforts or through a multitude of, of uh, a community of uh, approach to to obtaining to those goals, and then what that means is when something's generative, it also then um, uh, it can have application that we can't see, mm-hmm. you know. So it can it can um, uh, completely thwart or or shift our expectations, but not to the point that it doesn't track back to your prior creativity, your prior collaboration, your prior work. So you see the line and, and then that's what allows the vision because you can track the line backwards, which means you can start to project it forwards. And even if it takes you in directions you didn't expect, it's not so shocking that you're, uh, you're immobile. You're, you're not like static into the side going, gosh, I don't know what to do anymore. Um, and I think when that really gets going, you start to get so excited that you want to bring, you're willing to bring people in because you're like, this goal, this vision, it's got to happen. And so I'm willing to bring X, Y, and Z in to see it happen beyond myself. And that's when I think, that's, that's where the self-forgetfulness kicks in. You're not, you're not guarding your inventory, your ideas. You're enamored and resonated with the potentials that have come out of the creativity. And you see it and you're like, we must bring this to bear in a constructive way, in a, in a creative way, in a profound way. And it's embodied, it's in flesh, it comes out, and um, you want to share it. You know, like when I would say, like, I'm not a big cook, but I do, like my wife and I, Laura, we like to cook, you know, and every now and then I cook with her. And I, I'm not someone who's like, oh, I don't like cooking. Cooking's fun. When something's really good, you you do just want to share it with someone. You're like, sometimes yeah, if yeah. I make something and I'm surprised, it's like it surprises you. You're like, this is better than I thought. It me- immediately spills into like, well, some, I gotta, you know, it's like, yeah. I gotta, I gotta, I mean, I gotta give these uh, tamales to somebody. Yeah, yeah. I can't just eat them all to myself, <laughs> even though I want to. It's just, it's something about being like, but it'd be better to share this with somebody than just eat them all myself. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, and I think that's, that's the, uh, that's the, the spirit of the space you wanna work in, where a lot of stuff is possible. Um, there's, there's a difference between staring in a blank world and saying anything's possible versus because we're doing stuff, things are literal, actual things are, are occurring. I can see those and it's creating particularized possibilities that are like there, but just haven't been totally realized yet. You know, um, those are two different, those are two different um, kinds of uh, pictures of the way I think we think about it. There's the really dry, anything's possible, and you're just staring at a blank canvas, like you were saying, or yeah. a blank room, and 
you're pressurized and you, you've, you think that whatever it is that I'm going to do has to obtain to all of this stuff. And you, you, you're paralyzed because you're like, how do I get from zero to 100 in one, in one move, in one stroke, in one decision? It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know? I think, I mean, you know, you're talking about those like blank spaces. I think, you know, even the ideas of uh, cooperation and collaboration, what they can do for us is they can turn something that feels like a highly pro- problematic into something that's highly potential. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Or, and, and I think that's, I think that's a huge part of it as well. Um, because not only, I mean, we can talk about like skills, abilities, passion, all that sort of stuff. Like that stuff, uh, skadilities, <laughs> skadilities, just yep. put it into a package. Highly skadilled. I'm highly skadilled. <laughs> and so we, we could, you know, it's talk like about a deal this pickle stuff. of skills. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> so, my jar skadickles. <laughs> so we can, we can talk about all these things and like skadility. How, how we know Sorry. that they come to an end. It's all good, dude. <laughs> Uh, how they come to an end. We understand that. And like at that end, you know, we kind of need other folks to step in, but um, I don't know why we, we aren't more open to just say, you know, actually sometimes like my energy and my, um, my ideas, they also come to an end. And, yeah. But, but my desire to create and make things, uh, I've never felt an end of that. You know what right. I mean? Like sometimes it wanes. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's this constant high and it's all perfect, but it's never, gone away. Yeah. Even when I don't have the ideas, when I don't have the energy, when I don't have the passion, I'm still like, I got to make some stuff. Well, no, I'm super glad you're making that distinction. Cause that, that is a uh, gi- ginormously key to, I was going to say dynamically key. So it's, I'm, it's I'm gigantically uh, dynamic. That That's right. Uh, grammatic. Um, now I'm making up words now. I got to stop. Okay. But for real though, the, um, the hardest thing to do is distinguish desire from feeling. Yes. So we equivocate feelings with desire. And then we have like a, I, you know, I, I feel like I have struggled with this so much. So um, where the feelings lack, I assume the desire is gone. And so then it's like, I'm still kind of doodling or I'm still, you know, I can't leave it alone. Yeah. Doesn't make sense to me. And because I've assumed that desire is actually a feeling. It's something stranger. It's, it's, it's stranger. It's not a feeling desire. Desire is a, a directional push, a, a, an in, internalized, a burden for something. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're, you're, you're bent towards it in a way that is there when the feelings are there and it's there when it's not. Um, now it may be, it may feel, it, it may feel weak when the feelings aren't there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like uh, uh, desire is the, the I don't, this is probably wrong, but it's like the, it's the cars have an orientation to them. They're forward facing, they're forward facing or whatever, right? You sit yeah, yeah. in one direction, you drive that direction. And if you're backing up, you have to turn around, you have to exert effort, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, feelings are like gas. Okay. So you see what I'm saying? Like, so you're, they're like fuel. Like the, the car's there, whether the car's the there. tank is the, full. That's exactly right. Yeah. So the desire is there. So when the car is parked, it's still parked facing a direction. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah, but th- th- then there's the uh, exertion of effort to get it moving. And then when the gas is burning, oh man, you know, then you're then then it becomes what kind of fuel are you running on? And sometimes right? you got to get a friend to help you push the thing. That's exactly right. Fuel completely. Hundred percent. So the desire is there, but I'm I'm weak within my my uh, frame. And I need someone else to push me a little bit. I need some help. 
Yeah. And so I think, I think strongly clarifying the difference between desire. So I, I sometimes will try to argue that desire is going to be more like the thought. So like if you're sitting there and you're thinking of, you're just like, I should paint or I should, what would it, what would happen if I stuck, you know, this piece of wood on this clay and, you know, put um, some polyurethane on it and then wrap some yarn and dipped in acrylic and mm-hmm. stuck. Like if you start doing it, you're just bubbling with you, 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 you kind of can't stop doing it. That's where artists are like, I just have to do it. And I, I sometimes have pushed back against that um, because you, you don't have to, but that desire is directional and it, 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 you're directed towards making um, whether it's quietly or aloud or any, anywhere in between. Um, and it, it's unshakable. So it's more like a thought than it is a feeling. If you had to, if you had to say, let's put it on this continuum, I think desire tends to be more like a thought. And all of us have had thoughts that are not attached to a feeling. Yeah. But we tend to be inordinately focused on feelings, determining things. You see right, what I'm right. saying? Yeah, there's got to be like the proof for the thought almost. That's right. And so I think um, I, I, I try to tell friends, uh, students, and myself this all the time, is work because of the desires. And, you know, uh, stepping forward into work is like putting the sail up. And so when the wind blows, the boat's going to move. And so the emotions can drive things, the passion or whatever, you know, so people say it's got to be passion. It's like, no, it's got to be desire first because there's a lot of people that are passionate and they say they're for the arts, but they have no desire. So they make a wreck of things. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of sincere and passionate people that make, uh, humbly, they make terrible art. And because they're loud in their passion, they gain the attention of a watching world who then says, that's why I'm not interested in art. Yeah, you know, which is tangential. I'm sorry for you, but, but you know. But I think, but I think that's, I mean, that's a really good designation there. And also, what it does is it brings in, um, you know, the the fact that we don't always have to be cooperating or collaborative, right? It's not like a, a requirement for 100 percent right. of your career yeah. as an artist or designer. Um, but there is something also. If we go back to the analogy of the, um, or the metaphor of the car, uh, the the thing that you're talking about like possibly a friend needing to come and help you push this like cooperative or collaborative way. Like there's also something to be said for how momentum actually starts, mm-hmm. you know, like, like the rock that's sitting there or the car that's just sitting there. Like it doesn't, it doesn't want necessarily to move. Mm-hmm. Right. But once it gets moving, sometimes it's hard to stop it. Correct. And so, yeah. um, that's why I think, uh, a really helpful that's a struggle for me. Once I huge, get going, dude, I actually, well, what I'm saying is like, once I get going, I actually have a hard time stopping. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of people I think will, that actually do have this, this passion and desire thing that you're talking about. A lot of us really are in the same sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. I was talking to a colleague the other day and I have a project that's coming to the end, to the end of the, the cycle of it. And I said, this is always the part of the project where I start to get a little despondent because mm-hmm. I know it's almost over, yeah. but I don't necessarily have my next project in mind yet. Right. And that's the point where I'm like, I feel the momentum stopping. Yeah. And that's where I start to get a little bit down about yeah. what I'm doing. Because I want to have one project that's almost done and 12 million others that are yeah. on the horizon. Like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a hugely encouraging thing because that momentum actually is helpful for me. Right, right. Yeah, those rhythms, the rhythms of, but I think, yeah, the rhythms. I mean, I think it even that, like, so like even you talking about, like when I heard you say that, I think like, that has something to do with those differences between desire and feeling because the emotions are the, the, 
the depletion or um, the tension of expectations never fully consummating in ways that we're perfectly satisfied with. So you're living in the tension of completion and satisfaction and to whatever degree or extent uh, that occurs and how well you feel about that. Um, those are complex emotions um, and the creation of complex realities that even though we've made it, we don't fully always comprehend or understand it because most things are worth time. And after they come into existence, then you have to spend time with them. But a lot of times, like I, I can imagine in, in the world of design, especially like you make things and then 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 it's out the door. Yeah. And so then you don't have the con, the consumer time with it to understand it from that perspective. And so there's got to be a, a, a shortfall or a down from that. It's almost like an incompleteness. Um, and I think it could be true of studio artists too. I mean, I've made work and then it's just, uh, it's out the door. It's gone. You know, uh, someone, you know, made something and someone traded me for a piece and it's like, Oh gosh, that's like, I just made that. It's gone. Um, yeah, no, that, that's, that's real. I mean, and it's, um, I think it's definitely a part of, um, of design, but it's something that, um, I don't know if I ever, it never really registered for me until probably last year that, that whole thing you're talking about, because it just felt like, you know, par for the course, kind of just what the territory was that you, you make a thing for deadline, you give it to a client and you know, you're done with it or you, you send it off to be printed and then it's, you know, uh, produced and, yeah. uh, sold or however it works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, we had a conversation last year. Um, I made a piece for an event we were doing and you asked me one day on the phone, you're just like, Hey, uh, is it, is it weird that you just like spend all that time on that? And now it's yeah. just like leaving. Yeah. And I was like, dang it, Ryan, I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I could say, I was like, it's coming. You're yeah. going to be like, Oh, and it, and it is weird because I mean, I know the person has the piece. I'm very happy that that person has the piece. Yep. And I know that if I, it's, it's like, it's like a dog that you fostered and then somebody else adopted. Yeah. Like, I know that I know where it is. So if, if I really wanted to see it again, I know they let me visit. That's right. No. Yeah. That's <laughs> I mean, that's real though. Cause it's like, you know, I just, how's it doing? Yeah. I'd like to kind of, can I see it again? Yeah. Can I come, can I come visit? No, I think that's very, I, I suspect that, you know, th there's the, it's either the first pieces or, you know, in a certain sense, cause you're talking about something very particular that you made and it could be because the work is special to you in a true, true way where you're like, this is, you know, one of my better pieces or just something about yeah, yeah. this just came together. It could be, you know, it could have various degrees of weight to it. And I think those kinds of things are the ones where you're like the, the emotions are attached to it. The feelings are attached to it. Yeah. And, um, and you're, you're reconciling that. And then there's producing to the point that you can't afford to do that. Mm -hmm. You don't have the mental space. I've been in yeah. both where I, I've had work where it's like, I don't have the mental space because these are going where they're going and I can't, I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, and so you, you almost, uh, you, you can become callous. Um, I mean, so there's like a weird balance there. There's a weird kind of right pitch. Um, and when you find yourself in that pitch, it's a great, it's great. It's wonderful. It's perspective. Yeah. You have perspective and you're, you're j properly joyful. And you know, it's all these things kind of coming together in a beautiful way. But then it's every other occasion where you're like, can I come see my painting at your house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Man. Well, I think this is probably a pretty good segue into talking about like maybe what are some of those kind of like positive and negative sort of, um, 
I don't know, like a, a emotional or thought spaces that uh, either work or work against, mm. work with or work against, like cooperation and collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I think one thing that uh, leads a lot of conversations with a lot of artists, even if it's an unspoken conversation, mm-hmm. is something that we're kind of pushing on, which is a little bit of preciousness. Yeah. Um, which I think can actually be a huge barrier to cooperation and collaboration. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think we have ideas of preciousness in the art or design that we do mm-hmm. in our skill set in our personal ability yeah. or our, our eye or whatever it is. Um, and, but preciousness is very, very hard yeah. to push against because I feel like it's, it may be one of the most pervasive things, um, in most of the designers I know is they're, they're, they're kind what of, what do you, what do you mean by precious? How, how are you thinking about it? So when I think about preciousness, what I think about is uh, kind of, uh, Think about the seven million projects you have unfinished, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and then ask yourself, well, why is it? Right, because you're busy. Maybe that's it, you know. But or is it because you have a, or maybe you talked about yourself as like, oh, I'm just a perfectionist. Like, yeah, you know, I can't finish things. Sure, that the objects themselves that you're making are so so precious that you yeah. can never actually let them go. Yeah, you know, so. So then we talk about ourselves as makers, but if we don't finish things, we're not really making things, right? We're just yeah. kind of constructing half objects and tinkering. Um, So when I talk about preciousness, I mean, just not letting things actually live as the objects they are in the world that they were created to be in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd say that I'd I'd try to throw in there something along the lines of, of of an uh, over, uh, over individuated uh, in uh, perspective on the work and an uh, overwhelming or inordinate amount of bestowed value yeah. Before the work has seen daylight, before it's been valued by anybody else. So it's over, it's preemptive over importance for the work. And it's an over individuated, over specified focus on the work. So it's so singular and it's already so preemptively important. And it has so, has so much to do with me that I, it's, it's a, I just got to work on it a little bit more. I just got to, you know, and no one else can touch it or see it in the way that I can. And, and um, really those things become mirrors uh, for how we're perceiving ourselves in many ways. And that is, uh, agonizing because, uh, rarely is anybody else going to capitulate that about you with reference to you, if they actually are, are real and they care about you, you see what I'm saying? So then that, that gets to that, um, that can, that can move you into that, um, space of isolation. Yeah. Cause Um, you, I mean, with, with something like that, you can't even, um, you know, it, it becomes so closed off that nobody can come in for even a, sure. a critique or a studio visit. Yep. And if you can't even do that, then then how do you work with somebody else? Yeah. yeah and yeah. so, um, you know, preciousness is always kind of like, uh, in, in, in my practice, it's always that, that kind of, uh, tickle that runs up the spine that kind of has to be pushed down. Mm-hmm. And some of it is just to understand, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways we can do it, right? Like there's, we can always talk about kind of some uh, vague concepts and be like, well, you just need to be more humble about things. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but what's that look like? What's that mean? How do I actually do that? Is that something I can do or do I have to learn it? You know, but I think that like, at least for me, um, it is, uh, I have to kind of uh, take a sort of sober look at things and be like, I'm, I'm just one designer, Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not nearly as good as the ones that made me want to do this in the first place. Right. And maybe one day I'll be good enough to be thought of as somebody inferior to them. Right. No, (laughs) I mean, that's, and that's a tough thing too. Like, so I think that gets into some, some of the differences in, in, if we were trying to make, like draw hard lines. Yeah. Um, cause I know as a studio artist, like as a painter, like there's plenty of work that I've made. 
that, um, I guess I'm just imagining if like someone's listening, like there's also the category of like, I'm just not sure about this work. And I mm. think it's important to have a space for not being sure about work. Definitely. So when you're, when you're a studio artist, there's not nest, there's no, there's no externalized, um, demands necessarily. So you, you're not either, there, there may be no gallery, no client, nothing. So, so you're, you really are an entrepreneur in that sense. Cause you just kind of wake up and you go in, in there and then you create, you know, a set of demands for yourself. And in that, I think, you know, a lot of contemporary artists, myself can exclude it or included. Um, I like that there's a high level of what's known. So, and that is, uh, the grounds for a, a kind of unknown, but it's always with it. It's always with regards to the, the making. So like with me, you know, I've experimented a lot of different ways of painting and then I've worked very traditionally, you know, like I've been trained that way. So my work is not traditional by the kind of classical standards. Uh, so even when I experiment, it's always in a kind of a framework of uh, modern art or contemporary art. Uh, so origins, pictorially modern art in a contemporary sense. Um, and so what that means is there's a high volume of things that I've created that, that are kind of sitting idle and uh, because I'm not sure about them and I'm not ready to be sure about them. And th that's like an important thing, I think, just to, just to lay out there for anybody that's listening that, you know, uh, there is a difference between preciousness and not being sure yet. And it, that oh, definitely yeah. changes, you know, like um, I'm sure as a designer, I'm just imagining there's the things you make because you're making them and they, they lend themselves to the vocation. And then there's the vocational work where you're working with a paid client. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? And if, yeah. if I'm working with a gallery, well, listen, then, then we're, we're cooperating with the gallery and uh, optimally we're collaborating on creating this event experience that brings a proportionate amount of my work into a space so that it can be understood in the way that I hope that accords with the desires of the gallery and so on, right? It's mutually beneficial. So, um, so we both go at it at some point in the process the same way. There is a client, if you will. Yeah. We don't always want to call it that, but you are, you, you know, when it's a deadline, you start making different decisions. So like when I know I've got a show, well, then I got to make for that. And that tunes out some of the play and the experimenting. Cause it's like, now it's time to focus on what am I actually doing for this particular, where's my body work at? What is this particular exhibition? And I feel like that's probably similar um, in some kind of way, there's kinship there with working with a client on a design project. Yeah, there definitely is. And, it, you know, as you're saying this, the one thing I'm thinking is, uh, how I'm also thinking about like quality of relationship again, kind yep. of coming back to that because, uh, there I, I am, I'm seeing like two very different streams in terms of cooperation and collaboration. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say I, I have had plenty of fantastic client relationships. And they have been a mixture of cooperation or collaboration. Right. Because, um, you know, some of the clients I work with, they've already established a whole set of brand guidelines and all this other stuff that really I don't, I don't get to be very active. That's right. In doing a, anything a yes, part of. Yes, that's not a part of what you're doing. You know, yeah. so it's like there's, there's, a, there's a cooperative element there mm -hmm. where they have done a thing and I am doing a thing and we are working on common task. But I'm, I'm not putting as much of myself into it as mm -hmm. I might like. Now, what we're, we're quick to do as designers is we will paint with a very broad brush and say, those are terrible clients. And, and they're not. Gotcha. It's just a different type of client. 
Yeah, it's a misunderstanding of your role in relationship to what they want. Yeah, because I mean, there yeah, is interesting. there is your ability as a designer, mm-hmm. um, the eye that you have hopefully been working on, uh, the sensibility, the understanding of how things work and function, the yep. way that they are placed and they are pleasing. There's that ability, but then there's also your skill and manipulation of objects. Yeah, and those are two very distinct things, and I and I don't think that we should denigrate one over the other. So if all I'm doing is using my skills to manipulate objects, I. I was very much this place where I would say, if I'm just moving stuff around on a page, that's garbage. That's mm-hmm. nothing. Well, it's not nothing to the person that needs that to be done. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And it's just a different it's a take. Confusion of, it's confusion of categories and your role or relationship to those categories. And I'm not saying that that's what I want to do 100% of the time. Of course. But plenty of people do, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a significant, it's a significant um, service, if you will. It's a way that you're expressing your gifts and your skills to bring about a service and I think uh, being in general, generally speaking, at peace with that, um, if you can get to that place, then that'll hold it together for you in terms of uh, the days where it's rough. Yeah, and I you, think the other side of that, though, is to flip that around. Because if we think about collaboration, um, at least from the design side, when I talk about collaboration, it's when I can sit down with a client and say, what is it you need? What do you do? And they tell me this is what it is. And... I give input, they give input. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastically collaborative experience. Yeah. But I think what a lot of designers want is not to have a collaborative experience all the time, but they want to have a cooperative experience where they are taking the lead the way that the company is in a bad client setup. That's right. And it's like just flipping that coin over doesn't make it a different value. Totally. It's still the same quarter if it's on heads or tails. Well, one thing, so one, one thing that I'm, you know, that's kind of emergent to me as I'm, I'm listening is like, well, some of this has to do with communication. Oh, hugely, hugely. Yeah. As, is, uh, I mean, I guess I just want to start like, so like from a fine a contemporary art standpoint in the studio, like you, even just communicating with yourself, I know it sounds ridiculous, but like being honest with your intentions and desires, it's just, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta spell it out sometimes. Um, some people prefer to like live live in a more of a foggy state because that is a great space for them to work. Is where a lot of things are ambiguous. They tend to work better out of ambiguity. But um, I, I would venture to say, with more time lived, that and as someone that liked it, had a preference for that, um, you got to have those check in moments where you're actually communicating honestly with yourself because at some point you you're expecting an outcome. And and um, and a direction to the work, and if it's if it's that kind of work, then it's it's going to necessitate an audience. Uh, you know, I mean, even when you talk about um, uh, working with clients, it's similar to working with like a gallerist. You know, as a gallerist, also, you know, uh, artists communicating well with the gallerist, their desires, their intents, uh, their hopes, um, and gallerists needing to be honest with what they can offer and deliver. You get into this yeah. where people promise things they can't they can't deliver. And then the artist is frustrated because both were miscommunicating, both were were sort of uh, manipulating each other a little bit into a, a less than likely situation that drives uh, them away from each other. And, and uh, something is lost in that. So, I mean, I think one thing is honest, honest reflection about yourself and what you're doing so that you can have a clear way of communicating that to the people you're going to have to work with at some point. Um, and I imagine that that's gotta be, even though I think we start from 
difference, yeah, some different assumptions. I got to imagine that there's something similar about uh, just the importance of communication and honesty somewhere in there. I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you yeah. think it's difficult to be honest in a client client based setting? I think um, early on in my career, I, it was not as clear to me. I didn't understand as fully um, how necessary my own volition in that communication was. Like I didn't, I didn't understand because gotcha. I thought it was like you know because the the kind of uh, hierarchy we set up is like oh they're paying so they have all the say yeah and, and that's, I, that's I think I'd be guilty of feeling that way you know it's like it's and it's not the way I mean like there's a difference between a commission and a client yeah right because if if somebody comes to you and they say I want this thing okay well that's great they they that's that's their parameter that they've set but with any sort of client relationship it only is as good as the communication you start with. Yeah. Um, so if you start and just say, yeah, I can do that. Sure. That price is fine. Like you're probably going to end up in a bad sort of setup. Like if that's all you start it with. And so one thing I've started to do within those, uh, and this is oh gosh, only the last four or five years is, is have a very heavy, uh, proposal that I submit. And, uh, I tell people to treat their proposals almost like pre-contracts. So this is going to be all the details of the project, all the timeline where all the different fees are going to go. It's going to be all the different benchmarks. It's going to be everything. So that yeah. they, all their questions are answered. Right. Because, you know, those spaces where like unsureness and anxiety pop up, mm-hmm. like that's where things are going to go sour. Yeah. That's where collaboration or cooperation just starts to derail. Yeah. Um, and, and it really is like very integral to have that communication. If yeah. I think yeah, it just commu- falls off. Yeah. Communication. I mean, trust communication. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, people over compartmental. This is, we, we tend to over compartmentalize our relationships and how things intersect with each other. And I think that's why I'm always, we're always pushing for a holistic picture because you're trying to say like, listen, if you're in a job working at a department store or working any, anything that is, you would deem is not art related. So not devaluing these jobs, just saying, trying to make a category and say, yeah. the temptation is to see that there, the temptation for us is to feel as though there's no transferability or interrelatedness to what we want to be doing. But learning to actually be in situations where you're being basically a human being and you're communicating effectively, possibly even hospitably, warmly, uh, clearly, uh, the practice of that, the becoming of that, the being that is key to giving you um, readiness for when it counts with regards to what you do as a designer or a maker. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's not like you just turn that on when you're working as a maker. That is who you need to be, period. It's easier than to move in and around those spaces because you're just always being that person. That's who you are. And so the communication at that level, like, so that means like if you're in a relationship, you know, married or dating or whatever, like family, if you're working at it in those spaces, then it's refining you to be better at it when you work in the gallery or the client basic. Like there might be a little bit of a tone change in your communication, but at the core, you really should just be consistent because then you're not, then you're not anxious because there's a continuity of self-assurance about who you are, which, which deals with your um, awareness about what you have and, and you don't have in terms of capacity and ability. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so you could kind of come into the occasion with a little more honesty to say like, I can do that. No, I can't. I, I haven't done that, but I think that I can. Um, and I think it'll make you 
less likely to jump into the anxiety boat so quickly. Yeah, there's something like comforting about that. You know, something where if I, you know, that that who I am on my couch at night is actually uh, or should actually be the same me in my studio. You know, that it's yeah. not, I'm not, I'm like not putting on my designer outfit yeah. and being like, well, I got my designer uniform I'm on. I'm bummed that you're not wearing a designer outfit though a little bit. But. I mean, hey, I'll, I'll start just rocking them all the time. Yeah. And, uh, it's, you know, cause I think there's that temptation a lot, right? Sure. You know, um, it's cause, cause we all know the kind of tropes, like we've all been to art school. We know what's up. Yeah. We know the tropes that are there and yep. you're like, Hey, it's the painted pants guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Hey, it's the, the skateboard girl. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's the. It's the black glasses designer. Like we know these things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we know these tropes. And I think it's sometimes we've talked about this before in earlier episodes. It's easy to put on that and not say actually, like who I am can actually be whatever those things are symbolizing. Sure. Like I don't, I don't have to have the the external whatever. cues per se. Yeah, because yeah, uh, you know, and it, but it also goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. Like, it, is there that actual desire? Mm-hmm. Is there actually that orientation toward doing this? Yeah. Um, because I think if that's there, then we get into these spaces where I'm like, hey, you do something that's really cool. I'd like to do something that's really cool. Maybe you think what I do is cool. Mm-hmm. You want to do something together? Yeah. But I think that also gets to a place where I've had countless students come to my office and say, hey, we both want to do the same thing. We're going to just do it together. And I think that's a time to kind of stop and say, where are, you, are you cooperating or mm-hmm. are you collaborating? Because mm-hmm. I think by... I don't know, your third, fourth semester in art school, a lot of folks are like going to start a collaborative. Yeah. And we don't see very many of them very successful. Yeah. And I think sometimes because what they actually mean is we're going to cooperate. Right. Which is fantastic. Yeah. 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 But a different relationship. It's just clarity of terms. I think, yes, it's not, not having a clear distinction on the, uh, the difference. Gosh, I had a thought and, uh, it left my brain. I was going to say something about you, you made me, made me think about something in terms of, um, It'll probably come back to me. Well, I think like, I mean, I look back at situations I've been a part of and I've had, um, I've had people I've worked with that we, we operated for a couple of years thinking it was collaborative, but looking back on it, it was just cooperative. Sure. Because it was kind of two ships in the same port. Right. But not really, you know, we weren't, yeah. it, it wasn't really pushing towards anything generative. Yeah. Like, you know, we weren't, there wasn't becoming this sort of like connectedness or our thoughts were overlapping into things in yeah. a certain direction. Well, I mean, this is not what I was going to say earlier, but I guess I think having some clear categories doesn't negate like the fact that both are mutually possible or um, more fitted for an occasion, you know. Um, and I think having clarity on that can just help create ease or peace where there needs to be to accomplish tasks that are a full of laden with work, like this real work mm-hmm. to be had. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes maybe with um, collaboration, I think one, one thing that comes to mind is a, a personal imprint of each collaborator uh, pressed into the, uh, the work itself. So there's a little bit of uh, the individual's person, personhood, personality, that kind of thing that presses through into the work in, in a way that maybe is more foregrounded than it would be with... Um, you know, cooperative work. You see what I'm saying? Like there, mm-hmm. there's an, an, there's a potential and a kind of an, an anonymity that can have a different feel to it. Um, when you're talking about like, like, so, you know, when you got mass production of like furniture, let's say mm-hmm. there's an utter anonymity to who, who actually made the work. Yeah. 
uh, let alone who designed the furniture. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But in, I think in, in certain spaces, the collaborative aspect probably tends towards the personalities and personal vision of these people that commingle together in their work. And it, it, they're infused in such a way that something that they, they complement each other in such a way that the work they make is infused with their personalities. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And not, not eclipsed by each other, but infused. And so, um, so there's something about intentions uh, being different um, in that respect. And I think getting clear on intentions um, can help, help set up uh, clearer categories for when we're doing what kind of work and, and how am I visible or not in the outcome of this work. Can you, can you unpack that a little bit more about the intentions part? Because I like, I like what you're saying. I just wanted to, like, maybe, I don't know, even some specifics you might have of a situation where that was helpful, maybe. Right. Well, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, my, this is, I, I can't remember if I've talked about this before, but a friend of mine, Richard, and I in Sacramento worked together pretty closely. We just kind of were kindred spirits. We both had ambitious desires to be painters and artists. And so we had two big projects going at the same time. We were undergraduates. It was a long time ago. Um, and we were kind of pushing it. And so we had put together a big exhibition, which was the first time we'd done this curated show. And we got all these people together and it was, the show was called, uh, we thought we were so cool. We, we were, we were looking at what, um, not collective. We're looking at, uh, what's the word? Um, Gosh, I forget the word, but we titled the show from various systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we thought, so we thought everybody showing with us, we were, we were actually like a collective, we were collaborating. What we were really doing was cooperating. And what happened in that is Richard and I had intentions for the show to inspire um, the makers that were exhibited within the show, including ourselves, to push our bodies of works into fuller maturity, if you will, mm-hmm. and that that would produce more shows, okay? So, so, but our intentions were that the other artists just wanted their work on the wall, and, and we didn't communicate these things. So once we finally got together, there was a competing competition of intention. Mm. Like our intentions were not clear, we, we didn't know, what, we hadn't communicated that. We talked about it, we didn't, but it wasn't understood, it wasn't heard. So, so folks weren't listening, we weren't communicating it well, and we were confused by the outcome. The show is okay, mm-hmm. but, and so, but at the same time then, we, we collaborated on this installation wall space. This installation, we built a room, and it was like 20 feet square by 12 feet high, and I mean, it was a, a month long uh, tearing down, drawing, building up, installing, building these walls. I mean, it was an intensive creating sound work uh, embedded inside the walls that we created. Um, this kind of weird organic structure in the center of the space. We had intentions for, for how you were to move this space, the why of it. We had talked this through. Um, it was truly a full collaboration. You couldn't really uh, say who, who, whose it was. It was just ours. And, uh, it was a highly successful, ex- uh, outcome in terms of the opening and the experience. And, um, so we had intentions for a particular communication to come through the immersive experience. And that's by and large what happened. 
And so our communication to each other was good. Our intentions were clear. We intended for certain things to occur to the best of our creative ability. And, and so um, that, what that meant was our intentions organize what got into the space, but also then what didn't fit the concepts and the ideas and the intentions. It clarified um, our decision-making, our material decision-making, our visual outcome expressions, uh, the design, the feel, the look, the lighting, everything was controlled, everything. The, 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 we didn't have music, but it was uh, a sound piece. Um, so it was thoroughgoing, and everything was evaluated along those lines. So that our intentions uh, acted as a constraint for what actually occurred. And then, and then it was truly collaborative because we would sit for hours and work through if-then comments like what what if this what if that so what happened was these two things had happened around the same time and we had a very clear experience of the difference then mm -hmm. i understood then i then i was able to curate more shows and not and, and be clear about how i was curating um and how artists were being curated in which allowed them to have their own intentions for their work in this curated space and there was less conflict because i wasn't confusing it as collaborative you see what i'm saying no definitely yeah I don't know if that answers the question or not. No, I think that's great. Uh, it, it's it's really good because it. Um, I think a point that we haven't really made is I think there is something about collaborative work. Um, with cooperative work, uh, it's sometimes very easy to be like, oh, that's mine and that's yours. Mm -hmm. But with collaborative work, I think you do get a third thing that happens. Yeah. Um, or I, I would say, like you said, like truly collaborative work. You know, uh, a collaboration that really is kind of like uh, understanding clear communication and showing clear intentions and working within like uh, clear skill sets, pushing towards high uh, quality output. Mm -hmm. If we if we set those parameters, then there is something there is a third thing that happens um, that is not mine, that is not yours, but is this other thing that only happens through collaboration. And I think at the end of the day. Somebody might say, well, you put so many parameters on that. How does that even happen? But I think that idea of collaboration, that's the thing that when we're talking about working with other people, when we get excited about big projects, when we see that film, we listen to that album, that's the type of collaboration that we want and desire sure. deeply. Yeah. And are just like, maybe I can get it. Maybe I can't. Should I just throw my hands up and quit? Yeah. Which is just no way. I mean, you, when you, when you watch like the extras on DVDs and things, you hear people like when the director is good and the team's good. You can see the camaraderie that follows from the collaborative work with intent. Uh, um, like you may have your core team collaborating on the vision and, and then you have your your tasked team that's delivering uh, mm -hmm. um, along and cooperating along the lines of the totality of the work. But when the community is flourishing, you'll see, you know, 40. 40 people standing together in celebration of the completion of this great project. And then you see it like, in a, you know, when you watch a film that wins an award and the whole team comes up on the stage and there's like 30 people and they're just like holding hands because they're enjoying together and they've lived through the, the, the life cycle of the project and the community was firm and the, the qualitative relationships were established, everything, you know, that's the perception, right? I mean, it doesn't mean that there wasn't difficulties, but, right, right, yeah. um, and then you've seen the opposite. You've heard, you hear how directors are difficult and demanding in ways, I mean, and even worse than that, I mean, you hear all the horrible things about Hollywood and mm -hmm. um, this is a terrible way that uh, people are treated, women are treated. I mean, there's, there's a lot of terrible stuff. So you, you've got, you know, you've got both and, you know, uh, heartbreakingly, like films get done 
with terrible people doing terrible things, mm-hmm. you know, as an example of, of how this can go awry. Yeah. Yeah. No. And still give the perception of an outcome that is like, Oh, but you also can see where, where, um, I mean, this is why bands break up, you know, the mm-hmm. Beatles broke up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. And they were making some amazing, ar- arguably work. one of the greatest, uh, you know, some people say the greatest band, like, I mean, it's, they're in the the high high level argument. They weren't together that long. No, no. The doors weren't together that long. Just, I mean, just as an example, I mean, if you think about it, some of the greatest bands like Nirvana didn't stay together. Mm -hmm. And then, um, for various reasons, they were already struggling before Kurt Cobain, uh, passed away. But, and then Dave Grohl goes and does, um, Foo Fighters Mm -hmm. and they get together because Sunny Day real estate broke up. Yeah. So, and then they they live on, and then Sunny Day wants to come back, and they, they're like fighting if they should break up or not. I mean, you, you got all these stories of, and that's why we marvel when a band stays together. You know what I mean? Like Aerosmith yeah. is still together. Yeah. You know, and that's why all those like shows are fascinating because you see the breakdown, how hard it is to hold it together for a long period of time. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's really Definitely. something remarkable when when a I mean, how many marriages don't stay together? Yeah. And in you know. I think I got to wonder in there if it's communication. Part of communication is listening. Say what? What was yeah. that? Huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you don't listen, you can't know what the intentions are. And if yeah. you're always jumping to inject yourself in, you, you're you never affording yourself the ability to listen, which means you're actually not open to changing, which mm-hmm. then if you're not open to changing, then you're not open to collaborating because in collaborative efforts, there will be changes because there's a responsiveness, there's a dynamic exchange that necessarily uh, includes responsiveness. And if you're responsive, then you're changing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so I I keep going back and I'm like, yeah, listening is big. I mean, listening to your clients, like under, and then there's understanding. Yeah, yeah, no, comprehending. it it is huge. Uh, I mean, I think of, you know, my wife, friends, whoever it is, um, the biggest arguments I get into or the biggest issues that really are in my life, if I'm very honest with myself, come out of the fact that I'm probably not listening as much or I'm mm-hmm. not, or I'm not, I'm just listening, but I'm actually hearing what's being yeah, said. Yeah, comprehend, internalizing, I'm not taking it in. So I'm sitting there and, you know, the the back and forth begins with, so are you saying, and it's like, probably not if you like listened, yeah. you know, if you, if you listen to everything from the context and everything else. Um, and to just be a little like, you know, a little quicker to just be like, can you say that again? You know, could you tell me more about that? Can you, you know, just expand upon that? Um, I think it's really helpful because, um, we actually do primarily learn most of what we know from other people. Oh yeah. I mean, very few people in the world like have just had knowledge dropped on their brain out of the blue or just the, the idea that the person there's this self-existent person that just, um, obtains knowledge divorced from people, from people and things. Yeah. I mean, just, somebody wrote that book. Yeah. Somebody made that movie. Yeah. That documentary. By the way, I just want to know what space you're in that isn't, uh, touched by other hands where you're obtaining to knowledge that has reference to other people. Cause knowledge always is with reference to other people. Yeah. That's, well, I don't want to go off on, I was, <laughs> was going to say sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's funny to me that we, uh, it's just funny to me that sometimes we think, um, the highest value is to be emptied. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because, um, there's no reference to anyone but self at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, to be, I'll, yeah, go ahead. But to be filled with knowledge, 
puts the the knowledge uh, can be hoarded, but it it wants to spill towards others. Yeah. Right. So you don't <laughs> uh, with each other. You don't bring nothing to the table. Like you don't go. I'm bringing you nothing. Yeah. Like and then and then and that's received because to, to do that would be oxymoronic or paradoxical because that's assuming a benefit with regards to other. And so um, I'm just thinking like, just to, just to drive it home, it's like sometimes the artist that thinks that they must be divorced and isolated from everything. And, mm-hmm. and then, okay, so but what's your end goal there? What's your intention? It's your intention is to somehow, you're trying to get the rock star status without the, in the benefits without actually doing real work because to make is to necessarily reference others. You just can't get around it. Like you can't, um, and you didn't, you don't arrive that way. Nobody arrives that way. And so it's weird to me when we strive to become something that everything in us seems to be working against. Yeah. I mean, I think you could even, you could put a smile. I know that pin. was weird. No, it, I don't think it's, it, I don't honestly think it's that weird. I mean, it, it makes total sense. Um, cause the whole time, the only thing I was thinking, which is weird was don't come to my house with an empty box that says puppies. That box better be full. They better be full of puppies. It better be a bunch of puppies. Yeah, don't bring me box. an empty box of puppies and no. then tell me it's absence through presence. I mean, or presence through presence. and it's the same, but it's the same way. I feel like, you know, in a collaborative thing, like, Hey, you want to work together? It's like, yeah, what do you bring on the table? Uh, Nothing. Willingness. That is a fact. <laughs> it's like, Dude. I don't, I got, oh, willingness is great, but yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm just waiting for you to tell me what to do. <laughs> I need some like, ideas. I'm not your parent. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I need, I need you to bring ideas and yeah. like energy and things like that. That's my know? favorite. When someone's like, I, I just want to write uh, stories. I was like, well, cool. What story what's, what's, number one, what stories are you paying attention to? Yeah. What, who have you listened to? Yeah. This is what I was going to say before is you actually have to pay attention to people. If you're going to be a maker, you got to listen to people and think about people. And like, I mean, it's invaluable. Like, cause you're working with people and towards people. You just always are. Cause you're a person. And so the, that's classic. The amount of people that I've met proportionately that are like, I want to be an artist. Here's number one. A lot of times the person that says that is typically like the people that are just not lacking. These things are just making. And so they're like, yeah, I'm a, I guess I'm an artist. I make things like they, you know, it's like, they're already there. Then there's like the millions of people that I met at this point in my life that are like, uh, I want to tell a story. And I'm like, well, cool. What stories do you like? And they're like, I don't really know. Well, what do you, what do you, what about, well, what do you want to talk about? Well, I don't really know. Okay. Well, why do you want to, te- why do you think you're a storyteller then? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like you might become one, but like there's some deep thinking that needs to happen on what it's like. Yeah. I want to collaborate and be an artist. Okay. So what are you trying to do? What are you trying to say? What are you trying to make? I don't know. What do you want to do? Uh, nothing with you yeah. because I don't have time. That's not a collaboration. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's just uh, having two people in the same room while you do your own work. Right. Or it's just, it's, it's uh, one person doing everything and the other person receiving the benefits. Yeah. It's, it's the groan we all do when we think about group projects back yes. in school. That's, that's like, why. Ugh. And that's why, because nor- so it's like to say like, now here's the thing. I think when the, this is, this is the helpful part. This is, comes back to under self-understanding and intentions. Maybe what the person at that point is saying is needs to be saying is like, how do I do this? What, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just one humble step backwards into, and not trying to prove that you are, but just being open to whether or not you can be. Yeah. And sometimes I think even when we look at something like in this situation, um, and asking that question, like it, it's times where I think maybe even the real question underneath is like, Hey, I kind of admire what you do or I like what you do. And I don't really know how to do it. And I 
maybe like for you to teach me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to figure it out, and, and I don't know if I can or not. I'm just curious. I like, I like to consume stories, so I might be a storyteller, but I just don't know. Yeah. And, so, and sometimes, like, listen, you know, this is not a problem in other areas of life. I like to consume tacos, but I am not a chef. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. we, we, I love to live in houses. Love them. <laughs> Very thankful. But I'm not a builder of homes. Yeah. So it's, it, it's strange. It only gets strange when it comes to art and design. It's weird. Or, or music, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's like, I love clothes. I wear them every day. But I'm not a fashion designer. Yeah. So just because you read a lot of comic books doesn't make you a comic book artist. And it doesn't mean you have to be one. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean you have to be one. You might be missing what you can be, what you can make. Just because you love something a lot doesn't mean you have to do it. It's very hard for us to believe. It's, it's, I mean, I see that multi-generationally. I see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, is, and so clarifying desires and getting clear on intentions um, can make you better situated to qualitatively enrich both cooperation and collaboration makes it more plausible that it's going to hold together and achieve the outcome you're, you're hoping for. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah I, and I think maybe, you know, it's kind of, um, in terms of laying some of the groundwork in this episode, maybe we can kind of, I call it G work, G work, what up G, G work? work, doing um, that G work. So with, uh, finishing up the G work today, um, maybe we can just kind of land the plane a little bit on kind of how we see some things. Cause I think the, the points that are kind of coming together in this conversation is that uh, cooperation and collaboration, first of all, are not the same thing, mm-hmm. but they're often misunderstood as possibly or superimposed upon each other. Yeah. The same they're, thing. they're always confused for each other. Yeah. So that, I mean, in, in my mind, and, and you may see this differently, Ryan, um, but in my mind, when we talk about uh, cooperation and collaboration, uh, cooperation can be very task-based and collaboration can be very outcome-based. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. but that's not too fair or not too uh, stark. A I'm going to think on that until the next episode, Gareth. Okay, because I'm, I'm thinking you know, about. Hey, I'm, I'm 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 tentatively with you, but I feel like I want to think about that. See, I'm, I mean, I'm tentatively with myself, so I may come back next up next episode and be like, <laughs> I don't know who that idiot was that was talking, but uh, he didn't say anything intelligent. Um, so, but I'm, I'm thinking of it in terms of um, you know with cooperation. Um, I am, I'm maybe I'm, I'm working in, in uh, pursuit or in service of the task mm-hmm. and in uh, collaboration, I'm working in pursuit or service of the outcome, mm-hmm. um, the actual, the actual thing that the two people will be bringing into you. the world. So I'm, I'm, I'm using that delineation okay. as a okay. general category. Okay. Um, still don't, you don't have to, you don't have to agree with me, Ryan. I'm I might need more that. coffee. I'm, I think I'm rolling with you, <laughs> but I, I, my brain is, is, uh, grinding, grinding it out right now. That's all. I'm just, I'm. You know, and I've given I, you very little nuance on that too. I've yeah, just here are two definitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you, and I'm, <laughs> this might just be a collision of personalities. So I'm just, um, that's why I'm, I'm like, okay, okay. Well, and and I'm learning. Like task and outcome, those are probably very designerly terms. Yes. Um, that are probably when I hear the word against. When I hear the word task, I have a certain part of me that's like, hey. <laughs> yeah. Well, the uh, the type A personality in me hears task and just like uh, adrenaline starts shooting. Yeah, I don't know what brain. type I am, so I, I don't, <laughs> type D or something. <laughs> type D. That was my rap name in high school. Type D. Type Yo, D. I'm Type D on MIC. <laughs> my GPA is zero point three. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna keep going. We gotta stop that. I'll start doing it. It'll be bad. Nice. We'll never recover. We'll lose lose half of our uh, listeners. I'm sorry, well, listeners. You guys are amazing. you're fantastic. You're amazing if you listen to us. Like uh, honestly, I'm <laughs> we're we're beyond thankful for you all day, all day. 
So, well, at the very least, even if we can't, you know, uh, on, on that, at least we understand there's something different. So we can't yeah, just no put doubt. these two, I we agree. can't conflate yeah, yeah, yeah. these That's as right. the same term. I love the word conflate, by the way. Yeah, it's great. Confluence, conflate, they're great, great words. <laughs> they are. Yeah. So the, uh, we can't confirm, we can't put these things together as one sure. object. Um, and that there is actually a lot more that goes into it than just say, just a willingness. Yeah. You know, so, and, and, and there should be more than just willingness and cooperation too. Correct. Um, and communication is huge statement of intentions and, and actually understanding those, which involves some self-reflectivity about mm-hmm. what you're actually wanting to do. Yep. Um, and not that, fake intentions, not fake intentions. Yeah. And that, um, there is, and you said this better, so I'm going to say it badly unless you do it again. Um, you said it better, something like there's a difference between like desire and passion yeah, uh, or feeling and thought, uh, yeah. however you put that. That's right. So yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I think, yeah, just, yeah, there's a difference between feelings and desires. If you can get that, uh, desires are more like thoughts than they are like feelings. Yeah. The way, because there was something, um, I was thinking it almost as like, uh, my hunger is a real thing that exists mm-hmm. regardless of uh, whatever food I might have a taste for at the moment. Yeah. You know, so it's like. You, you always think, think of it this way. The necessity to eat mm. is prior to the hunger. Yeah. The hunger is a feeling that amplifies the, the existence of the desire and the necessity, right? So, but hunger doesn't have to be there in order to eat. Right. And if you're eating kind of on a regular basis, you, you don't necessarily get hungry. It's just time to eat. Yeah. So, you know. Um, yeah. And then like, you know, and, and, and all of that is still irrespective of any sort of craving you might have. Right. You know, like, right. like, like hunger is not... You know, even though it might be good for us to have more salads and vegetables and things, sure. uh, if I don't crave that, it doesn't mean that like the hunger isn't being met. No, yeah, and also if I don't crave it, doesn't mean I shouldn't be eating it. Yeah, I mean even even more to the point, right? Uh, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. What a, so that's that's the difference. I mean, like so what we get the salad today? Huh? I'm, I'm definitely not going to do that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Ooh, good free pass for me. That's awesome, dude. Appreciate that. <laughs> But, yeah, so so I you know I think we've got some pretty good territory, and we haven't even gotten to the throwing people under the bus yet. Yeah, right? we got to talk about that. I mean, and part of that is like I I really think it's good to lead the conversation. I'm just going to give you a mystic note. That's honestly. right. We'll leave it on. We'll we'll talk about it though. We'll get into don't rumor worry. mills and different things like that. Cult, cultural enculturation of things that don't help create a conducive environment for creativity. Yeah, because I feel like things like that, like there's there's not as much unpacking that needs to be done no. because we are very aware of when this That's happens. Right. You know, we don't, uh, we do not sugarcoat throwing no. people under the bus, especially when it happens to us. But I do think we, it's worth talking about it in relationship to what we think we really want or what we ought to want. The sense that we ought to want what I think we're getting at. And the question is, why then do we see oftentimes the other. And I think that's just something we should, I think it's important. Yeah. Cause really these three terms really are mm-hmm. kind of summing up like healthy and unhealthy relationships sure. and what that looks like. And the fact that they are either, um, contributing to or working to the detriment of the larger community of art and design, yep. wherever you are. Right. Um, and that's a, that's a big point. It's a big deal. It's yep. something that we, uh, really should take notice of. Totally. Do you want to, um, do we need to sing a song before we leave? <laughs> do we want to sing a song? Um, I always channel my inner Ron Johnson um, whenever I. <laughs> Ron Johnson's, uh, we love Ron Johnson around here, but Ron Johnson is my proxy for 90s rock music. So <laughs> he knows that. So um, do we want to mention the, the raffle? 
Yes, we want to do that. We want to, we want to wrap up today with a few things. In the spirit of cooperation and collaboration, we have a few things for you. <laughs> we have a few things for you, you, you. So as we've already mentioned, hopefully more times than you could count, we love our audience dearly. You guys are yes. fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for all you do and listening and supporting us, sending in questions to us, helping us keep these conversations going because it's a, an amazing thing. We are very, very grateful for it. Um, and to that end, what we want to do is continue to provide more and more of the content you want in different sort of ways. And so on Patreon, we have got two goals that we are really trying to hit with some monthly uh, sponsorship there. We're trying to get to our maybe nerve-wracking sub-series from Shaka Art Speak, which mm-hmm. is the 30 Below, where mm-hmm. we have to talk for less than 30 minutes on a single topic. Single topic. Disciplined. Um, and it's going to be 30 minutes. So when we hit... With the buzzer. When we hit our first goal, we are going to start launching that as well yeah. and feeding that content out to y'all. Um, you know, so please check us out on Patreon. We'd love to have, uh, you know, more and more of what we're doing here on Shocker Art Speak be developed out, you know, past that. We'd love to get to where we're doing some, uh, you know, video podcasting yep. and doing stuff so we can invite you into just get the uh, YouTube channel going, just how weird it looks when we start doing this and get into weird tangents. Yeah. Uh, cause it's not just weird to his- listen to. Right. It can be right. weird to see. Yeah. Do we want to talk painting? Oh yeah. We definitely want to do that. Okay. And the other thing about Patreon that I completely forgot is we are doing a fantastic raffle for one of our own Ryan Letario's beautiful paintings from his Moss Side series. And so for the first 500 people that sign up on Patreon as a patron at any level, even just you, a dollar, you will be entered to win an amazingly beautiful painting. By I love Ryan this Letario. painting. We'll, maybe we'll post it somewhere. We'll post a picture or something maybe i don't know and all i know is y'all better step up because i want this painting so i've entered patreon 275 times it's 275 different people so he has not done that <laughs> don't don't believe him um i would love the painting but it is I, beautiful yeah. i want y'all to have it i actually love this painting myself and so that i uh i've had a- anxiety about parting with it ironically coming full circle on that that discussion i've yeah. actually feeling that way but, um, well, Ryan, it yeah. can be precious to someone else. Yeah. I'd be happy for someone around the world to own this painting. And, uh, so if you're, if you're, if yeah, you enter in matter that first, where you are. yeah, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you're, we're going to raffle off as randomly as we can, we're going to do it, do it the right way. And so your, your emails will be put into a hat and then we'll have someone else pick and, and then you will be notified and then we'll, we'll work out the details to get the, the painting to you and, um, and have no fear to do it. Um, we will and we'll ask sure for you to post yourself with a picture of it, uh, proof of um, the fact that we did it, and uh, eating a bean yeah, burrito from Taco yeah, Bell. We'd love you to eat it, and if you don't, yeah, if you don't have Taco Bell where you live, we'll mail that to you too. <laughs> you I have no problem. Have a fantastic painting, of some stale yeah. tacos. I will cry if I get someone <laughs> that raffles gets the painting and eats a bean burrito. I think that would be a life goal for me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, let's do it, happens, folks. You heard yeah. it here. Let's get this to go. You may make me cry. So. <laughs> But seriously, anywhere in the world, we would love to see you get this painting. We will throw uh, an image of it up on Patreon so you can yep. actually see the painting that you're looking uh, to get. But uh, thank you for all the people who have already stepped up on Patreon. We really appreciate it. Also, I'm going to go ahead and, ch- and say this. We have, as of this week, gotten all of the brand new content up on our website. Yeah, check our, our website out. 
shockatwardspace.com. There's a lot of stuff there, a lot of ways you can get involved, learn more about what we do. Um, yeah. You know, what we want to do is create this ecosystem for art and design, which means that we do want to see the holistic flourishing of artists and designers and mm -hmm. makers in all aspects of their career, their profession, their life, what they do, how they do it. We want to see it flourish because we believe in a really beautiful culture that really does have a lot to do with art and design. And the, the builder has premiered, so, so be on the lookout for new places to see that, and we're, we're going to be trying to get that out to you wherever you're at in the uh, coming future. So we're excited for people to see our documentary. Um, we're just thrilled for it to be out and about. And I think you're, if you're interested in art at all, I think this is going to be a great uh, encouragement to you and interest to you. Definitely. So. We've got a, we've got a massive team that has been massively helpful making yep. all this take place. This is not just our doing. It's sure. not just not me and Ryan. We have a team of folks who are really passionate about this. Yep. That really is, you know, like we've talked about today, it's been cooperation, but also we've seen huge pockets of collaborative stuff that's, that's right. been happening. Been so both. this couldn't happen without both of these things going on 100%. at the same time. So um, you got anything else for us today, Ryan? No, I, no, I just want to go eat Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, you heard it here. We're piecing out to Taco Bell real quick. But we will be back next time with another episode about not throwing folks under the bus, holding it all together. <laughs> Y'all have a great week. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom.